Today is a day of giving. It's a day of generosity. It's a missions day. Convoy of Hope is an outreach to the world that started here, right, in Northern California to whole missions churches and grew from this to the whole country and then to the nations of the world. It is really one of the most stunning humanitarian efforts, but it's tied to the gospel. That's part of the power of it is that it's leading people to Jesus. And we've participated with Convoy of Hope from its beginning. We've done outreaches here. We did one last year during COVID where Convoy brought a truck full of supplies and food that we distributed fully to our community. We participated in disaster relief and giving offerings to help the boots on the ground in various places in America where there's disasters and worldwide. Today, we have one of the representatives from Convoy of Hope who's also a friend, Brad Rosenberg. Brad's father was a good friend of my father, Hugh Rosenberg, and then my dad, Glenn Cole, they went to college together. And Hugh Rosenberg pastored in Cincinnati, Ohio. Brad came as a college student here and interned right here in our church in 1992 and had a beginning even into his ministry. Then he followed his dad as pastor of the church there in Cincinnati, which is what I did here. So we have lots of parallels in our lives and we've been friends for many years. And Brad recently launched from his church to work full-time with Convoy and is representing their work in the last year around the world. The miracles that are happening with this outreach are many and we have a chance to partner deeper with that today. And Brad is going to come and share the message of Convoy, but the message of God's heart from the scriptures of how what we do in partnership with him has such impact. Would you give a good welcome today to my friend, Pastor Brad Rosenberg and Convoy Pope as he comes to share the word with us today. Well, good morning, Capitol. It is so great to see you guys, and um, I interned here in 1992 and used to sit on the third row in that far section where that guy, those three people were sitting right there. That was my seat in 1992. Thank you for keeping it warm. It is so great to be back here. Uh, this was one of the greatest experiences of my life, and... Um, I mean, I was raking it in in 92. I was making $50 a week here. So I lived on the dollar menu at Taco Bell and filled up a tank of gas. That's, that's about all it got me all week. But um, we are so glad to be back here and to see you, friends. And um, just to say thank you for your um, investment in my life and this opportunity to uh, come back and share. Um, the 9 o'clock service usually isn't as caffeinated or awake as the second service. So I want to encourage you guys just to interact with me, talk, say, hey, that's terrible, you know, whatever you feel. But um, would you turn to the person next to you and say, you look fantastic. Would you do that? <laughs> and now I want you to turn to the other side and say, how about you take me to lunch? <laughs> All right, that, now that's the crowd I'm wanting. I'm feeling it now. So, hey, on behalf of our president, Hal Donaldson, 
He wanted me to send greetings to the family at Capitol. He is from the Northern Cal area and considers Capitol Christian his extended family. And so on behalf of Hal and Dory, they send their greetings and, and just wanted us to say a huge thank you for your continued support and encouragement and your love for, for Convoy of Hope. Today is a mission service, and, um, and uh, there's a, I would say, a core value um, that just drives everything I do, and, and this is simply it, that lost people matter to God, so they better matter to the church. Okay, I thought there was a little more caffeine in this service. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it in this section. Lost people matter to God, so they better matter to the church. Amen? Yes. And so um, my, my, my life mission now, what gets me up every day, Convoy of Hope, is to alleviate suffering and populate heaven. Isn't that a great, I think everybody should be doing that, to try to alleviate suffering and populate heaven. And so that, that's what we're trying to do here. But I really want to start out with a um, kind of a question, and I want you to, it's okay to, to give feedback, to engage, to talk back and forth, but I want you to listen to this question. What is 750,000 miles long? That distance would go around the circumference of the earth 30 times and grows 20 miles longer every day. 750,000 miles long, It'll go around the circumference of the earth 30 times and grows 20 miles longer every single day. Anybody? That is the line if people were standing shoulder to shoulder that would represent those people on planet earth who are outside of God's family. And what I want to do, and I know what Pastor Rick wants to do, and I know what this church wants to do, is to make that line shorter. To give our resources, to give our investment, to give our energy, to let people know that God loves them and that he has a plan for their life. But to do that, what do you think it takes to make that line shorter? Resources. And here's an interesting perspective. Did you know that in Scripture... There are 2,300 verses that talk about money, possessions, and resources, 2,300. To give you a little perspective there, there are about 500 verses on prayer and about 500 verses on faith. There's 2,300 verses on money, possessions, and resources. How many of you say God has something to say about this? And so I know that Pastor Rick is a fabulous teacher and that he brings the word of God every week. And so I'm going to give you lots of scripture because it doesn't matter what I say, but what God says, buddy, we better get on the stick. Amen. So we're going to have a lot of scripture today. If you have your copy of God's word, I want you to take it out. If not, we're going to have the verses up on the screen because I want you to be able to follow along and, and track what we're doing because uh, how many of you know God's word is just precious to us? Amen. God's word is the ultimate authority. It is absolute truth, and it is what we stand on. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, it says this. Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Would you pray with me this morning? Father, our desire this morning is that nothing of self would be established, but only lifting high King Jesus. We ask God that the truth of your word would sink deep roots in our hearts today. Change us. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. Father, help us today to hear your promptings, to know your nudges, and to respond obediently. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, God's strong and mighty son. And everybody said, amen. One of the challenges we face when we're talking about these kinds of things and, and attempting to live a life of radical generosity is that man's definition of success and God's definition of success are diametrically opposed. So man's definition of success is about how much I get, how much I accumulate, and how many people are under me in the workflow chart. Anybody know what I'm talking about at work? Your boss, what goals, objectives are you gonna hit? Key performance indicators, blah, blah, blah. So man's definition of success is about how much I get and how many people are under me. And God's definition of success is the complete opposite. God's definition of success is about how much I give away and how many people I serve. How many of you can see the challenge that's happening here? How do we live right side up in an upside down world when we're trying to follow God's definition of success? And so it's about living a life of generosity. It's about moving from greedy to generous. Or another way to put it, it's a, it's a way that we move from stingy to sharing. How many of you know what the word stingy is? How many of you have ever tried to take a french fry off a teenager's tray? It's stingy. Don't touch that. Those are mine. How many of you ever had a toddler in your home? If you've ever had a toddler in your home and you've sat down on the floor in the family room and got some toys out, how many of you discovered the toy they have in their hand and the toy you have in your hand are both theirs? You know what I'm talking about? So our natural tendency is to, to take and hoard and keep and save, and God's saying it's about how much you give away and how many people you serve. So I want us to talk about this concept of sharing. Everybody say sharing. Sharing. And we're going to look at John chapter 6. I'm going to make a deal with you. If I read fast, will you listen fast? Okay, here we go. John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I love verse 6. If you have your Bibles, underline verse six. This is fascinating. He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. How many of you know God already knows what he's gonna do, whether we're involved or not? He runs this thing. Verse seven, Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. About how many? 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the very first biblical account of the Golden Corral. They were asked to be seated and have as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had gathered, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves and the two fish that were eat, that who is, those who had eaten. Now, I want you to think about, how many of you agree this is a miraculous story? It's, this is a crazy story. And um, can you imagine this kid coming home that day and his mom saying, uh, let's just say his name's James. There were a lot of Jameses back then. James, did you eat your lunch? Yes, mom. And I shared it with 5,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> what? This is, a, this is the miraculous story of this kid's life. And I don't know about you, but I can only imagine 50 years later, his grandkids running to him saying, Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us the lunch story again. You gave your lunch to Jesus and he fed thousands of people. Yep, that's what happened. Now, here's a principle that I want you to take away with you today. Please never forget this, that when God is in the equation, all bets are off. Don't ever forget that. When God is in the equation, all bets are off. Do we have any teachers in the room this morning? Any teachers? Would you show your appreciation for the teachers that have gone through a difficult, difficult 18 months? Those of you that are teachers, are any of you math teachers? I can't see with these lights up here. Are there any math teachers in the room? Yes, in the back. I'm gonna need your help this morning. This is not a trick question. In the state of California, five plus two equals seven. That's what it is in Missouri. It's pretty awesome. But according to scripture, it gets a little crazy here. It's a little different. According to what we just read, five plus two equals what? Who said 5,000? Okay, this person does not care about women or children. Okay? But we're going to give her credit for 5,000 because it said, what sat down? 5,000 what? Men. So when God's in the equation, all bets are off. So if we add women and children, where are we getting here on this equation? Anybody? Where do you think we're at? 20,000? Okay. Very good. But it's not until we get to the end of the story that we still don't have the correct answer. Because according to the Bible, five plus two 
would equal 20,000. Remainder, how many baskets were left over? 12. Now, how many of you would agree with me that this answer and this answer are completely different? <laughs> That's because when God is in the equation, all bets are off. Now, I want to give you a few thoughts for you to just to ruminate on this morning. If you want to write these down, great. If you don't, that's okay too. But we're talking about giving to those who are suffering, those who, who are struggling, those who, are, who, who need assistance, those who need help. We're talking about living a life of radical generosity. We're talking about being part of the, the solution. And so here, here's the truth. I believe that this could be one of the most miraculous days in the history of Capital Christian Center's life. Because when we do something to take care of those who are suffering, when we do something to alleviate suffering, when we do something that shows favor to the poor, how many of you know that gets God's attention? So let's start this morning. Number one, a miracle always starts with somebody. Do you realize if this kid hadn't given his lunch to Andrew, none of this story is even in the Bible? A miracle always starts with somebody. And we could spend all day reading miracles in scripture. We could talk about David. We could talk about Daniel. We could talk about Joseph. We could talk about Rahab, Hosea. God calls someone to obey and the rest is miraculous. Number two, miracles happen in the atmosphere of obedience. Miracles happen in the atmosphere of obedience. Here's an equation. I'm not going to write it on here, but I want, you, I want you to write it in your notes if you can. Here it is. God's prompting plus obedience equals the miraculous. God's prompting plus obedience equals the miraculous. Now, some of you uh, Pastor Rick told me they'd, they'd showed some convoy videos over the last couple weeks and pushed it on social media, and you know kind of what we do. We feed 387,000 kids around the world every day and 2,100 feeding programs across the globe. And we, we, we empower women. We, treat, we, we teach them trades and give them business opportunities and micro-business opportunities. And, and we train farmers, and we give them agricultural assistance and help them grow their own crops. And we help in disasters globally and nationally all over the world. Here's the thing. You may have come in this morning and you had kind of a, a thought, you know, whatever I do today is really not going to make a big difference. Let me tell you, you're wrong. Because, number three, when we do what we can... God does what we can't. When we do what we can, God does what we can't. This little boy shares his lunch and 20,000 people end up being blessed with a remainder of 12. When God is in the equation, all bets are off. How many of you want God in your equation? Amen? Here's how that happens. Here's how that happens. Number four, it's all about listening to the prompting and acting in obedience. That's the secret sauce. 
It's all about listening to the prompting and acting in obedience. How many of you have ever felt like God dropped an idea in your mind? You know God either whispered to you, gave you a thought, gave you a nudge, you felt it in your heart, however you want to phrase it, you feel like God's giving you that prompting. How many of you know that you can be obedient even if your heart's not in it and you have a bad attitude? Anyone? Just ask the teenager to take the trash out on Wednesday night. It'll get to the end of the driveway, but there'll be a big streak of liquid where they drug it because they were so mad they had to do it and didn't want to actually lift it. Well, I have three teenagers, so I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes God prompts us to do things, and when that happens, we either question it or we go, ah, that can't be from God. There's no way he'd ask me to do that. Anybody? So you have, Hal Donaldson told me in a conversation the other day, he thinks that Pastor Rick Cole might be the nicest person he knows. Hal knows a lot of people, and I'd have to agree with him on this. Your pastors, Pastor Rick and Kathy, are absolutely phenomenal, incredible. Now, what I'm going to tell you is going to make me look really bad, but it's going to make Pastor Rick look really great. When I leave this afternoon, you're going to be so grateful that he's your pastor. Okay, here goes. So I was at work one day. I pastored the same church for 21 years. Get this phone call. It's a guy who doesn't go to our church, has never been to our church. I've never met him. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. But his son is on life support in the hospital. And he he asked someone at our church to have me come and pray at the hospital because they're shutting off the life support on his son. There's flat brain waves. There's nothing. There's no life there. And when this happens, I'm thinking, I've got so many things to do. This guy doesn't even come to our church. I've never met him. I'm a terrible person, right? We got that clear? So I'm trying to argue why I don't need to be doing this. And I feel the Lord just prompt me and say, go to the hospital and pray for this kid. Does God talk to you that way? Usually he adds a knucklehead at the end of mine. But so, so I get in the car and go to the hospital. And I start... I get into the ICU and I start praying for the father that God would comfort him in the loss of his son and the pain of this heartache, okay? So the reason I'm explaining the story like this is to show you that I have zero participation in this and 100% of this is God, okay? We all on the same track? So while I'm praying, comfort for this father, flat brain waves, life support, getting ready to shut it down. While I'm praying out loud, the Holy Spirit says, put your hand on his head. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I don't even know these people. I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy. I don't even know why I'm here. Maybe I'm the only one who argues with God like this. See, see the, the growing love for Pastor Rick is just rising in this room right now, okay? So, While this is going on, I put my hand on the kid's head. His forehead is so hot, it was hot to my hand. And I'm continuing, Lord, I just ask that you would let this father feel your peace and your comfort. The pain that he's walking through is indescribable. And while I'm praying for the father to be comforted, this kid sits straight up in bed. Scared me to, I almost had a heart attack and died in the hospital right there. 
scared me to death. The father goes, what'd you do? I said, I don't know. The nurse comes running in. She goes, what did you do? I said, I don't know. And I looked down to see if my foot was on the oxygen. It wasn't, thank God. Here's the point. When God prompts you to do something and you're obedient to that prompting, even if your heart's not in it and your attitude's not right, but you're being obedient to what he's asked you to do, the miraculous happens. Here's the crazy thing. The greatest lesson of that is that it declared to everybody, the father, the nurse, the hospital, me, that I had nothing to do with it whatsoever and that it was 100% glory given to God. That's what needs to happen. I don't know how physical miracles happen, but I know they do. I've seen them with my own eyes. I don't know how financial miracles happen, but I know they do. I've seen them with my own eyes. Number five, he gave what he had in his hand and celebrated the miracle the rest of his life. It's so key. God's prompting plus obedience equals the miraculous. So my wife and I used to be youth pastors in um, Baltimore, Maryland. And we couldn't afford to live in Baltimore because the cost of living on the East Coast is almost as high as it is on the West Coast. So we lived 26 miles from Baltimore. We'd commute in and we'd do our devotions together in the car. We'd listen to worship music. This is a long time ago, Pastor Rick. We had the Don Moen tapes. We popped the Don Moen tape in. We'd do our worship and we'd, Angie would read and we'd pray. And, and if you pray in your car in the commute, I'll just, this is a free tip. Keep your eyes open while you're praying in the car. That's a free one. And uh, so while this is happening, I told my wife, Angie, I said, I feel like God wants us to give $50 to Dave, another pastor on the staff I was serving on, and tell him maybe he could take his boys out for pizza. And Angie goes, oh, that totally, my spirit bears witness with that. I think that's totally from God. But she goes, but I think you should tell him to take his boys to Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, Angie. As a spiritual father and head of this home, God talks to us about helping other people. God doesn't address anybody about Chuck E. Cheese, okay? That's just not how he works. She's like, whatever. This is what I felt in my spirit. So then we had to put some more Don Moen in to get our hearts right again because we were, we were starting to do this. So we get to work. She calls me at lunchtime. She said, did you take the money down to Dave yet? I said, No. She goes, you better do what God's telling you to do. And I was like, you better go back to work. (laughs) You know? The reason I didn't want to go take it to Dave, there were five other pastors on staff. We were all associates. We don't know. We probably thought we all made maybe the same amount of money. And and I didn't want every one of them seeing me walking down the hall saying, hey, where's my $50? Yeah, I told you. You're loving Pastor Rick. You're not liking me. The love for Pastor Rick continues to grow as you see what a pathetic loser I am in this place. So here we go. So five o'clock comes around and she goes, have you taken the money down to Dave? I scooped my chair back from my desk so I couldn't lie. I said, yeah, I'm on my way. 
She goes, you better do what God told you to do. So I walked down the hallway. I knock on Dave's door. I said, hey, I don't want this to be awkward or weird, but um, I was praying this morning and I just felt like, Angie and I felt like we were supposed to give you some money to take your boys out for pizza tonight. And then being the mighty man of faith that I am, I threw my wife under the bus and said, and Angie thinks she should take him to Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, because I wasn't going to be a part of that. <laughs> so I come around to the front of his office and he comes around from his desk and he leans back against his desk and he puts his head down and his glasses slide forward and he starts to cry. And I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. I knew, daggone it, I didn't mean to offend you. He's like, no, 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 you don't know what's going on here. I said, what's happening, Dave? He said, today's Joey's birthday, my oldest son. Today, he's nine years old. And when I left the house this morning, as I walked out the door, the last thing he said to me in his pajamas was, Dad, is there any way we could go to Chuck E. Cheese for my birthday? <laughs> I don't know about you, but that has become the miraculous story of our lives. Because if God was concerned enough to take care of a nine-year-old little boy's request to a young couple in their 20s who had no children and had no idea when his birthday was, that God wanted to make sure that that was taken care of through another family to make sure he got what he needed. How many of you know when God's in the equation, all bets are off? I don't know what God's asking you to do today, but I do know that he's asking you to share what you have in your hand. I do know that. Charity says you can have the crumbs and the leftovers from my table, but radical generosity says, no, I want to give you a seat at the table. God may not be asking you to feed 20,000 people today, but he is asking you to share what you have in your hand. Here are some harsh realities. There are 2.4 billion people in the world who live on less than $2.50 a day. Convoy needs your help. We currently feed 387,000 children a day around the world in 2,100 different program centers. Do you know that every single day in the world, 22,000 children die from dirty water or hunger-related issues. 22,000. That number is so big that you can't wrap your head around it. So to help us grasp that, I don't know if you know this, but a 747 jet holds approximately 500 people. We've seen the news when a jet has gone down with a crash and hundreds of people have lost their lives. 22,000 would equal 44 747 jets going down every single day, completely full of passengers. In a few moments, Pastor Rick's gonna come up and give you an opportunity to be part of One Day to Feed the World. One Day to Feed the World is simply taking your salary, dividing it by 365 and saying, I'm gonna give one day of what I work all year just to help those who are in poor and needy, those who are suffering, those who are hurting, those who need help.
You may have come in here with a number in your head. Every time I go in a mission service, I have a number before I get there. And then when I pray about it, God gives me a different number. And every time God's number is higher than my number. But here's what I've discovered. There were 28 years of doing mission conventions and being involved in missions. I would rather do God's number with his help than my number by myself. Because when God's in the equation, all bets are off. When you partner with God, you've positioned yourself for the miraculous. Albert Einstein said this quote that I thought was just amazing. He said, the world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. We must treat the poor with dignity. In 1986, I went on my very first mission trip to Caracas, Venezuela. Preached my very first sermon. Guess what I preached on? John 3.16, it's the only verse I knew in the Bible at the time. But check this out. It's a principle that has never changed. For God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest expression of love is giving. In 1986, Venezuela was full of resources, oil, rich in minerals, vegetation, beautiful country. The boulevard was strong. Now fast forward to 2018 when the, complete, when the country completely imploded. There's nothing left, no jobs, no oil, no resources. Their currency is worth nothing. To date, 25% of the entire country has left Venezuela. 25%. That means most of those were men. Women and children were left behind with no food, with no money, and with no opportunity. If you travel with me to Venezuela, you would see people walking across this bridge on the border between Venezuela and Colombia. This is not a, a side note. It's part of the story, but Ladies, how many of you take good care of your hair? I have a wife and a daughter and they use all kinds of products to take care of their hair. Because I believe it's probably a woman's most prized possession. Scripture even says that long hair, beautiful hair is a crown of glory for the woman. But as these women are leaving on the bridge at the border between Venezuela and Colombia, this long concrete bridge, the same guy I worked with in 1986 is still there today. And when you get to the end of that bridge, there's a red umbrella. It's like an awning. Our team on the ground took this picture. These women who have nothing left, their husbands and men have left the country, are walking across this concrete bridge with a baby on their chest and one or two toddlers in each hand. No food, no jobs, no opportunity, nothing left. And when they get to the end of this bridge crossing into Colombia, they see this red umbrella. 
If you do not speak Spanish, let me tell you what this sign says. That sign says, we buy hair. And these mothers with long, thick, beautiful black hair cross into Colombia with nothing in their pockets, sit down underneath that umbrella and have all of their hair completely cut off so they have enough money to buy their kid one more meal. Think about that. We spend more time thinking about what we shouldn't eat when two-thirds of the world's wondering if they're going to get to eat. When they sit underneath that tent, when that picture came to us, we said, not on our watch. Convoy's going to step in and make a difference. And we did because of churches like yours, because of partners like yours, because of, of friends like Pastor Rick and Kathy. Since 2018, we have been on that border, tethered to the local church. You ready for this? As of just last week, the most recent numbers, if we have personally ministered to over 2 million Venezuelan refugees and have provided for them over 30 million meals. That's something to celebrate. We need to defend the poor. We need to share what we have. We must act with hearts of radical generosity. And right now is your opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Your one day can change their every day. But you have to share what you have in your hand. Typically in any kind of mission service, people give out of two ways. Either logic, I kind of plan, I can probably do this in my budget. Or emotion, that really touched my heart and I want to be a part of that. But may I submit to you this morning, I'm asking you, please, don't give out of logic, don't give out of emotion, but would you take just a couple minutes and say, God, what are you asking me to do? What are you nudging me to do? What are you prompting me to do? Because ladies and gentlemen, when God is in the equation, all bets are off. When you invite God into that equation, you're inviting the miraculous into your life. God's prompting plus obedience equals the miraculous. On behalf of the 387,000 kids that we feed every single day, the women that we empower, the farmers that we train, and those suffering in disasters that we have assisted, I want to say a huge thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. Capital, you are deeply loved and greatly appreciated. We so appreciate your partnership. Thank you for the opportunity of being here today.